Well, did you fancy that? <laughs> As I choke myself half to death. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone, or to those of you who celebrate. Um, to, if, you, if you're more of my inclination, uh, Yuletide greetings, season's greetings. I hope you uh, marked the solstice. Uh, enjoyed looking up into the sky and thinking, good God, there's going to be more light soon. <laughs> and, and in fact, we're not greeted by any additional light because uh, it's been so stormy. Um, b- before we, we get cracking, firstly... Let me, uh, let me, let me go big face. No hat. There's no. I can't find my hat. The former hat. It's nowhere to be seen. However, I have brought um, a glass. Firstly, there. It's the uh, the the old city APT glass. There, very nice. I can never get it to focus, but you, you get the picture. Um, a glass of, I think possibly one in a raffle because I wouldn't normally go for something. It's it's the, it's a very standard port Coburn's, but it's, you know it does it does the job. Um, there we go, and uh, I'll do for now. And also, I have as I push that cat back in. Uh, I also have a single because there's never time to eat in an episode, is there? A, a, a single uh, frangipan mince pie. They're very good. The frangipan mince pies. Sainsbury's frangipan mince pies. Highly recommended. Very nice. Um. Uh, Gareth points out the solstice was about five thirty. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, some people get out and run around in their pants, don't they? Anyway, um, cheers to the end of a dreadful year <laughs> for a lot of people. I know it's that's globally awful year. Uh, personally, probably better for some people, possibly worse for other people. Uh, hello to the four of you watching. Ooh. Oh, not bad. Very nice to have you along. Um, for this live festive episode, I didn't have time to do any pre-records. Uh, Emily uh, and I uh, will do something different and special in the springtime, I'm sure. Um, and certainly for ne- we'll, we'll plan something bigger and better for next year. But frankly, I'm it's not Emily's job to sort me out, and I'm, I was too disorganised to, to organise anything. Uh, we have some lots of friends in the chat. Hello, lovelies. All these lovely people in the chat. Uh, Martha's here. Uh, hello, Martha. I'm glad you're in the chat. Causing causing a general general ruckus as often uh, as often you do, um, um, uh, you and Cartwright as someone whose trains were totally broken today. I'm coming to this episode with fists clenched. Yeah, we might talk a bit about that um, today. Let's uh, let's get on with things. We don't want this to be like a, a long long episode, do we? We want to want to enjoy uh, enjoy a, an episode where we talk. This you know to have, make discussions about all sorts of things. Anyway, right? Let's let us sort of waffling and and uh, we'll. Uh, We'll crack on. Right, so, yeah, I had no idea it was Wednesday either, Master Tram's right. Let me, let me get rid of my face. Uh, because it is episode 198 of Rail Natter. Should Britain stop closing the railway at Christmas? Hmm. Um, I, I posted um, uh, I posted something about this on Twitter. Uh, then um, some influencers uh, copied my tweet. Uh, they didn't necessarily copy it. They just spotted it and thought, oh, that's an interesting point. Uh, and other people were generally discussing it. The Campaign for Better Transport had just published an article on it. So, strangely enough, lots of independent people independently coming up with this this thing. It happens every year, but um, sometimes it's used as a well. You know what? We'll get to that. This is this is this is episode one hundred ninety eight. What, what are we going to? What, what else have we got to add um, uh, before I uh, continue things onwards? Right. Well, for, yeah. We, it's about this. It's about the fact that. Um, whether we like it or not, people move around a lot on Christmas Eve, but particularly on you know Boxing Day and indeed on Christmas Day itself. We, you know, we have unconventional families. We have people who don't care about Christmas Day and they're just trying to get on with their life. Um, Britain is a bizarre combination of being um, uh, one of the world's most secular populations, you know, as in people who are just totally religious and say religion plays little or no part in their life. On the highest percentages in in the world of our of the population, versus one of the most entrenched um, constitutional and legal uh, religiousnesses, <laughs> we have a constitutional monarchy. Well, we don't. Have, well, we have we have a monarchy. Uh, we have the Church of England is embedded deeply into the functioning of the state, and we have schools, huge numbers of schools that are church, religious schools, and. And we close everything on Sundays, and we close everything on Christmas Day, and and around Easter. It's very, very, very strange. But anyway, um, the, the, all of that's going to play into the discussion. There's going to be a discursive episode. We're going to have some nice chats um, uh, about about this because it's a it's an interesting discussion to be had. And, and anyway, m- more on that later. In any case, 
let us press on with the episode. Um, I, uh, I, it did, yeah, Christmas, just a, just a, just a, yeah, it did, other people go way back and actually celebrate Christmas vigorously because of its pagan roots, um, which of course uh, are, are substantial. Yeah, hence the solstice thing. And I, I kind of feel nice. You know, lots of people feel nice around Christmas time. There's a, there's a general nice vibe. That's fine. Um, uh, anyway, right, enough of me waffling. Everyone, welcome to a nice rail natter. <laughs> away oh it's a good mince pie that a very good mince pie mm. we must we must uh, start with a rather grim series of photos showing what's just happened in Broughty ferry um on the east coast on a bit of railway i used to travel on a lot when i lived up in Inverary. um a tree has walloped an hst or rather an hst has walloped the tree uh, the tree was obviously where it shouldn't be um, and uh, yeah, the cab. Thankfully, the driver is okay, although shaken up. But um, uh, yeah, you can see what mess uh, that tree has made of the uh, of the cab. And it's just another reminder of how totally inadequate that cab is. There is no crash structure there. And I, I point this out on Twitter, and you know, these are these are pictures that are rather grim, um, to say the least. Um, I should possibly have even put up a content warning, but uh, the, the driver is okay, and this is just a load of... Uh, just imagine this is a bath that someone's uh, dropped a fire extinguisher onto from a height of 100 metres, uh, because that's essentially the same effect. Um, lots of people are going, well, why, well, why aren't you talking about clearing vegetation off the railways? Well, well, I do quite regularly, in fact. But you can never eliminate that risk. It's just not possible to completely eliminate that risk. There are a lot of parts of the railway where the railway boundary... Is, is is not you know 20 30 meters away from the running edge it's very close and there are forest you know trees in adjacent landowners land that, that the railway has no control over ash dieback is a is 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 continuing to bite so there are risk you know dangerous trees hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of thousands of dangerous trees around the network that the railway can't do much about so we will never be able to eliminate that risk the other reason why I get angry about it is if you remember back to our Carmen episode because a different decision could have been made not that long ago. Um, I look forward to the RIB report, by the way, on, the, on that collision at Brotty Ferry. We'll, we'll see what they say. We'll see what the analysis is. And we'll see if uh, Aslef tighten up their language around their uh, assertion of, of when they are, uh, you know, what, what they're going to do about those trains. Anyway, a, a reminder of what's of the current episode. So the cost of the, um, the 12 and a half year HST fleet, 475 million in 2015 prices, by the way. The cost of a, a Stadler flirt fleet for 40 years, 613 million. So not that much extra for 40 years of train, not 12 and a half years of train. And only 671, you know, a, a little bit extra on top of that gives you a, give, gave you some IET derivatives. Um, uh, yes, as I say, in 2015 prices. So a decision was made to skimp out on about 100 million, which as a percentage of the overall cost was not that much. And they could have gone for brand new state-of-the-art trains with actual crashworthiness. This is why I get angry about it. It's not, you know, people go, well, you know, you'd have to renew all the other trains, you know, the 158s and the and the other sprinters. Well, th yes, at some point we will, but those trains weren't the ones up for renewal and we had the opportunity to re renew them. It, the HSTs were. They were the HSTs had been brought onto the ScotRail network by an, as an active decision by foolish people in Transport Scotland who kidded themselves into thinking that that, yeah, that that you know that the, those HSTs were uniquely popular for for passengers, which, by the way, they were not. Anyway, enough of that. Let's uh, let's jump to something very funny and also very angering as well. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, here's um here's me quote tweeting uh, the Department of Transport. Happens enough. Um, uh, and indeed, you know, so this is the Department of Transport. This is me saying this is the Department of Transport taking the piss because they are. Um, the DFT Twitter account possibly someone. Possibly a rogue civil servant deliberately pointing out how stupid this all is. This is a tweet saying, We've confirmed funding for each London borough to ensure millions of road users enjoy smoother and safer journeys. Firstly, this is them 
deliberately trying to swing the mayoral elections in London. So port barrel politics immediately at play. Um, next one. Uh, this is only possible due to 8.3 billion of extra investment, uh, which this is a stupid long tweet that they've, that's got extra text in it, but basically saying the money's come from HS2. Let's just zoom in on their graphic here. What can we notice about this graphic, I wonder? Um, there's a couple of things going on here that I think are worthy of note. Um, number one, made possible by rerouted HS2 funding. is it, That's a lie. That's that's just a lie flat out. That's, that's not how this works. You know, even if you say that is how this works, the HS2 funding wouldn't have been going out of the project. You know, It wouldn't have been paying into the project yet. So what are they on about? Uh, second thing that's very funny is, because um, this, is, this is London... Okay, so London. London. Um, why have they put the Network North project logo down here? Uh, uh, North. This was a bit on the nose for even even the DFT because they... Um, uh, what's quite funny is Mark Harper started tweeting all sorts of numbers saying this goes to here. This is from... you know. So this, is eight, this was something about 8.3 billion. This is 8.3 billion, by the way, which he, Mark Harper then started pretending was savings from Euston Station, um, which the number he made up was a different number, which was 6 billion, which is also a made up number. Um, so they promptly deleted that tweet and deleted a lot of other tweets too. This is uh, just beyond satire. I mean, it's difficult to really process how ridiculous the whole thing is. It's it's insulting, of course, and everyone picked up on it. And so hence, they, they this, for once, they decided to delete it. Hello to all the lovely 80 people watching, by the way. It's lovely to have you along. All 80 of you on a, on a, on a, on a Christmas evening. Uh, very nice. Anyway, here's um, Katie Rother, um, who still wants two meters. Um, imagine having... Uh, Katie Cycles, by the way, well worth following Katie. Uh, Katie pointing out, uh, quoting a, a Guardian article, imagine having the problem, rabbit ears, of having to reduce rail, ridersh uh, rail ridership or rail usership. Imagine. Now meet Britain 2023, where the transport strategy, if there is one, is so totally screwed up that this is what is going to happen. What a total, utter, sadly unsurprising, balls up. Um, yeah, this is basically, uh, this is this is the Guardian pointing out this, this is, this is what, this is what I've been saying and other people have been saying for a very long time that if you don't have HS2, fares will rise even more rapidly and there will be more congestion on the railways. Funnily enough, um, so this is based on a network rail sort of statement or some network rail statements pointing out and others, other sort of stuff saying, and the DFT indeed saying, well, we'll have to use more fare, you know, fare rises to manage demand. So basically reduce the number or you stifle demand by increasing fares, which obviously, as we know, given we want to have double the number of passengers on the railway within the next kind of decade, basically, um, is absolutely baffling. But we said it would happen. This is what happens if you cancel HS2. We told you so, etc. There's no joy in it, none at all. Meanwhile, uh, the government, who has, uh, has has done a nice little statement here, um, actually Mark seems to have stolen the, the thunder, but who, who seemed to be the one who was actually actually making the statement? Government sets ambitious target to grow rail freight by at least 75%. Um, target will boost economic growth, lead to significant environmental... But yeah, all these good things. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Two points. Number one, this is a meaningless number if you don't bring up... Um, uh, what the actual capacity of the you know what the what the actual mode shift will be from roads because if it's if if you're growing rail freight by at least seventy percent and that's just you know mapped onto real time growth of the economy then that doesn't really mean very much if you're reducing road usage and bring it onto rail then that does start meaning something but obviously there is nothing about mode shift so this is a meaningless target in and of itself that's that that that's point number one point number two uh, this is impossible. Uh, without HS2 <laughs> in full. So, hmm, uh, fantastic work from the DFT there. Uh, right, jumping to a different story entirely. Uh, lock your doors, yeah. Um, West Coast Railways um, has lost its court case, so it's not able to operate um, coaches without central door locking. Uh, here's Pip Dunn um, highlighting this. Uh, Pip doesn't agree with this ruling. Um, this means the Jacobite and other charter trains will either have to be operated by different train operating companies which do have central door locking stock or West Coast Railways will have to source suitable stock. This is not something that's come out of the blue, by the way. This is a this is a ruling for the, 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 the charter trains, heritage trains running on the main line have to have central door locking. 
this is quite a reasonable thing for the railway f- to ask of its of, of the trains running on the system. Given the Jacobite runs regularly, you know, the Jacobite is the service that runs from Fort William to Malik. Um, it runs regularly. It's timetabled. It has a lot of people travelling on it. There is no safety justification for not having central door locking. The the West Coast Railways have been going, we will go bankrupt if we have to do this. Um, this is not, I mean, firstly, not true, as we see on, on Phil Higgs' um, tweet here, pointing out uh, an interesting part of the, the witness evidence, pointing out that the um, the, the company has a hun- over 100,000 passenger journeys on the Jacobite um, line, which generates 5 million, around 5 million in fare income and 6 million in turnover per annum. The average return ticket is £46.58, and the average profit is £1 million. The average profit is £1 million per annum. From that profit, they could pay for this. This is £1 million quid's worth of work they need to do, I think, essentially. Um, they, they, could, they could do this work. They, they, could, they could easily afford to do this work. And also, it's been a very, very long... This has been a very long time in the works. What, what a very long time in the works. They could have done this a long time ago. The, the, the mainline railway is not a heritage plaything, and unfortunately, West Coast Railways continue to show that they have a a really poor safety culture, deep rooted poor safety culture, which is disappointing because I don't want anyone to pay any money to Jeremy Hosking and LSL, um, the other major charter operation. So, yeah, disappointing. Anyway, funnily enough, you look at the cash situation for West Coast Railway Company Limited, um, they're doing fine. They've got $4 million in cash just in the bank. They're okay. Um, they could afford this. So I don't know who it is within the organization that doesn't want to relinquish that cash, but just spend the money on the stock, put central door locking in, it's fine. Um, here's a nice little bit of good news. Uh, Paris, here's Brent Tadarian um, picking this up. Um, a startling statistic emerged in Paris last month. During the morning and evening rush hours on representative main thoroughfares crisscrossing the French capital, there are now more bicycles than cars, almost half as many again, in fact. It is possible, folks. CDL is central door locking this connect. Uh, it is possible. It is possible to make this change. What's good in, in Paris is that the mayor's just gone, um, the mayor's just gone, you to the to the the driving community and has just solved the problem and everyone loves it the vast majority of people love it hence she keeps getting voted back in hmm funny that anyway um oh yeah the real baltica episode that i need to do very soon um oh people are asking right okay this connect you know what it's a very good point uh, I'm, I'm talking about central door locking without explaining what it is let's get my big face up central door locking is um if you imagine your car and it used to be that you'd have if you unlock the door in your car, you've only unlocked that one door, and you have to walk around the car and unlock the door on the other side as well. Well, that used to be the same for trains, um, except that you just didn't have all the doors locked because you didn't have a hundred guards on every single door along the train, so you didn't have locked doors. So central door locking is where you can the, the guard, the the, the the train manager, whoever it happens to be, or indeed the driver, in some instances, has control over the doors, so they can unlock centrally unlock all the doors at once so the doors can be locked to stop people doing what they did quite a bit in the days before central door locking which is um falling out of the train drunk um so uh yeah um so it's it it, it, it don't get me wrong fitting central door locking to mark one and indeed mark two stock but particularly mark one stock so that much older coaching stock you know um is hard work there's there's some fantastic hastings have done it with their diesel rail cars I think it was some serious work but it's work that can and can be done and should be done it just can and should be done um, uh, uh, the bridge enthusiast hello the bridge enthusiast um, SVR so, so the, the Seven Valley Railway don't need it presumably because it just runs on its own little route yes Heritage Railways uh, on their own can um, uh, can run uh, they, they can run continue running heritage stock different situation you know you accept a different level of risk and if you're getting on a heritage train there's an expectation that you it, it's a different sort of vehicle whereas if you're on them even if you're traveling as a passenger on the main line on a charter vehicle um for the jacobite you might pass tourists might be expected for that train to provide the same level of safety that, as the train they've just got off you know a lot of that that unfortunately the jacobite is the harry potter train um, and uh, so lots and lots of tourists get on it and they get off and, and they might re- quite reasonably expect the safety provision on that train to be the same as the sprinter they've just hopped off at, at, um, at Fort William so uh, let me uh, 
if it's a slam door one, you could open it and it'd be hit by passing trains. Yes, and that in fact, I've been on trains where that's happened uh, back in the day when I was traveling on cross country trains with Mark two and Mark three coaches pulled by forty seven. I am old enough for that to still be a thing. Um, just anyway, um, yes. So sorry, enough of that. Good, good question. Thanks, thanks for asking. Disconnect. Quite reasonable for you to ask the question. Um, so let me get rid of my silly face and uh yeah rail balls we'll have the episode soon uh I, I, there have been a couple of suggestions for people to come in and join um uh and um uh yeah uh, to, to to be guests to talk about rail Baltica. i really want to talk about rail Baltica, but the news on rail Baltica is that the contract first contract for mainline construction has been signed in latvia this is not a project without problems but it's it's starting to happen which is very good uh, physical delivery has, has begun design continues physical delivery has as has the contract has been uh, signed so that, that's exciting um and uh, as a bit of light-hearted uh, finale news um jim picard uh of the, of the ft picking up um that it's objectively quite funny that after all the tub thump about imperial measurements barely one percent of the public want them back this is funny so here's here's from the um the consultation consultations are good by the way folks yeah we should do that um what the responses said uh, the results of our analysis showed that 98.7 percent of respondents were in favor of using metric units when buying or selling product either as this primary unit of sale or as the sole unit of sale uh, 1.3% of respondents were in favour of increased use of imperial units when buying or selling products, either by increased choice between using metric and imperial units or moving to a purely imperial system. Do you want to know how many people want to move to a purely imperial system? 0.4% of respondents. Lol. <laughs> I enjoyed this very much. Um, so, yeah... Um, uh, some fun data there anyway for you to pick through yeah britain says nope to imperial units which is nice uh, so this is relevant to the railways because people often uh, well not often every now and then someone comes back to me with this sort of thing when i refer to you know uh, kilometers miles uh, you know kilometers versus miles or meters versus or millimeters versus uh, feet and inches anyway enough of that because uh in a kind of a transition from the news to uh, not the news i'm gonna bring my face up in the corner hello it's me with a with a drink i'm gonna just Oh, that's nice. Um, there's a Guardian article that came out. Um, James Tapper wrote, uh, all the hits, Martha, today. Harry Potter and the Guardian, I'm so sorry. Saturday the 23rd, uh, of this year. Um, because the Campaign for Better Transport are pointing out that they, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's an interesting article. You know what? I, I have said article here. Um, there's, there's an article. That was that was fairly seamless, wasn't it? Bloody hell. That's, wait a minute. Can I can I do can I repeat that? That was remarkably slick. Oh yeah, look at that. Nice. Anyway, uh, keep UK trains running at Christmas and save engineering works for January. Say campaigners. Yeah, the, the campaign for better transport. There's a little chat here about da 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 da. Things that I found interesting. Quotes that I found interesting were that uh, National Highways removed a thousand miles of roadworks on the 19th of December for drivers during the festive getaway. This for me is like typifies the problem. It's like the the road, roads are clearing the barriers for people to travel, whereas the railways literally erect the barriers and close the railway, um, which is completely the wrong way around. Uh, yeah, uh, there's 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 lots of good data this way. Uh, Michael Michael Williams Michael Solomon Williams um, campaigns manager from the campaign for better transport. Um, is kind of pushing this, uh, kind of banging this drum, pushing this uh, case. Um, there's there's lots of good data in here. Um, there's, there's lots of issues with problems. Anyway, basically, you know, let me uh, let me scroll back up and, and seamlessly switch back to my slides in a way that you mostly don't know is. Basically, this is an, this is a discussion that is that's to the fore, and and we've basically not really you know, Christmas close. We stopped running services uh, on Christmas Day in the in the in the in the seventies on, on the rail networks. So this is not an ancient tradition this is not something this at the time immemorial it's pretty recent that we stopped doing it we stopped doing it because if you remember the 1970s and, and where um passenger ridership was at the time in the 1970s it was right at the bottom <laughs> it, it was right at the very in fact you know what let me uh, let me just quickly get something up that might be relevant there let me yeah this this little little um little excel spreadsheet that i was working on that you might find interesting. Uh, yeah, right, here it is. I'm just going to dump this up here, uh, and you can have a look. So here is um, a nice graph of... This is the, the, the graph of station openings um, that, that was 
playing with earlier. If, if you don't know, didn't see this, then uh, it was my pin tweet for a while. You can go back and have a look. Uh, I'll probably do an episode on it at some point. Um, what you can see here is ridership. Uh, it actually journeys in, in the millions, and you can see that the, the, the bottom of those journeys was through the through the seventies into the early eighties, at which point it started picking up rapidly um, as, as sectorization and general BRness uh, kind of picked up traction. Um, so it, you know those Christmas, as you can imagine, if ridership isn't at an all-time low on the railways, then you know, holiday time, Christmas Day ridership is going to be really small as well. Um, however, we're carrying, uh, what's that? That was around 600, 650 million journeys, whereas we're now carrying, uh, like, what's that? One, two times that much, you know, like, like we're carrying twice that many, was that 12, sorry, three, three times as many passengers on the railway now. Um, it's a different time. We need to be thinking differently um, about, uh, you know, and so we haven't thought about this and we really ought to have. Um, so, yes, it dipped after, it actually dipped a little before privatization, uh, Gareth, because there was the early 90s recession and it did uh, it did plonk quite a bit. Um, so, this, 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 this then kind of raises two two big questions. Look at Colton Junction there again. It's um, getting its new oily masts put in. Oh. What's interesting, I think they're raising, a, I think they're putting in a, a um a a cross track cantle you know a a a boom across and and they, but they they appear to be using the existing masts which is quite fun they're just getting rid of the headspans through here to um, to improve the reliability of the junction which is nice it, it will make the view slightly slightly busier so we'll have to see what the picture see what the see what my footbridge photo looks like um good grief we're we're knocking on time already look at this right anyway so two questions first question is should we run a better railway service over the holiday season for example, should we run trains on Boxing Day and Christmas Day? Um, and the second question is, uh, should we concentrate all of our major works on the Christmas blockade? So there's so, so there's two kind of separate questions. They're very much interrelated, but they're two separate questions. Um, so uh, I, I did a little um, did a little uh, Twitter questionnaire um, uh, earlier uh, over on the Rail Matter podcast uh, Twitter account which you can go and follow if you don't already um, tonight's rain latch is all about what the rail is whatever yeah okay so about 600 people voted or 550 people voted on, on this one which isn't bad um, and uh, you know specifically on the question of Christmas Day itself and it was clearly from this question I wanted to understand you know what is the is everyone wants to run trains on Christmas Day or is it is it kind of 50 and the reality is it's it's pretty you know, there's, there's certainly not a super majority. It's, it's a pretty mixed bag. There's, there's, there is a majority for people wanting to run trains on, on, on Christmas Day. 57% of people, um, of, of those who voted, want to, to, to run trains. And, and 43% um, don't. So, just, you know, there's, there's, there's a certainly a majority for do. But I would also say there's, there's a fair number who, who, who don't as well. I would, I would say that's, that's not a clear cut Thing. My view is that we should be running, um, and actually, Martha, I'm glad you've joined because I think this ties into tact, but we'll get that shortly. Um, so, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to I'm going to do a little vote, do a little poll, start a poll. Here we go, uh, and I'm going to ask the same thing again. Um, uh, should we run some trains on Xmas Day? Question mark. Yes. No. Start a poll. There we go. So there's a poll running. Feel free to vote. Let's see. We're going to do a poll at the start. And we're going to do a poll at the end and see if I've changed any of your minds. Um, let's not make the snow stop. That's a disaster. So, um, yeah, there we go. Let's have a look. So, yeah, like people people work on Christmas Day. How do those people get around if they don't have a car? Uh, well, they have to use the bus or the train. But if there's no buses and trains running, then they're stuck. The, the, the railways are a public service, and they should they should run on... Every you know, they should run when people are doing things, which is every day. Um, now, right, let's let's get into the discussion of this because that's going to be an open discussion. So the voting continues. Let's let's start with the first one. Should we run a better rail service over the holiday season? Let's 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 start with a couple of thoughts. Which is, firstly, nobody travels. We talked a bit about you know the the fact that the, that we stopped doing this because of the lack of revenue, the lack of ridership on Christmas Day, but that was at the lowest ebb of of, of British rail travel. We're, we're carrying three times as many people on the railways now. Um, and the other point is, uh, and this is this is the AA from last year, um, an awful lot of people drive over that period, not just um, Christmas Eve Eve and Christmas Eve, but also over Christmas and on Boxing Day. So there's an enormous surge in the number of people who travel, and people are traveling longer distances, which are journeys perfectly suited for railways. And not everyone is carrying huge numbers of you know 
Christmas presents and, and what have you and, and all their enormous family. A lot of people are just kind of going home. Students, uh, you know, uh, s- people who don't have loads of stuff and are just having a nice trip back and forth and, and, and going, th- going this way, that way. So uh, the number of people who then, you know, the stories I've seen of people paying for taxis to get across. Emily, in fact, was paying for a taxi to get across London um, because there were no, you know, no, no, no tube services running. The bus is running. This isn't. That, that's not very good. Um, meanwhile, this is this is today on Dromocta Pass. In fact, you know what we can do. Um, let's let's inf- let's uh, traffic Scotland. Let's let live eye views. There we go. Uh, oh, they got rid of that website, didn't they? That's that's just this one. There we go. Let's go in here. Uh, right, go in here and do this. Let's have a little look at what's going on on. Uh, you know, Let's have a look at a little what's what's going on in Dromochter right now. Oh yeah, looking a bit snowy, although they have cleared the road a bit better now. Um if we go back to me back to my slide deck, you'll see that um everything was stationary. Um on the on at uh, well, what time is this? Uh, in the middle of the day or kind of early afternoon. Um yeah. Uh, everything was stationary on uh, on the A9 over Dromochter. This is not enough snow to stop the trains. The trains could run happily in this and um okay, today they were. But on Christmas Day, they could be running and, and travel, getting people moved around far more safely than by road. Um, yes, I know there are lots of people in the chat, which we're going to come... There are loads of great points being made in the chat. We're going to come to all these. Um, uh, Simon C858 is saying, I'm a nurse and work all through the festive period, so as a public service, I think a reduced service on Christmas Day should be a thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think quite a lot of people uh, share that view. I realise that on rail matter, we're going to get higher numbers than we did on the overall Twitter vote, because the Twitter vote I, I share with people I knew didn't think that that... You know, uh, a few drivers who, who kind of don't think we should run a Christmas Day service, and they sh- they shared it. So uh, I, I, it was a more represent. That's more representative. I realised that I, I've got a, a, an entrapped audience here. You all, it's a, it's a big old lump of group thing here. Um, Martha also paid fifteen times train fare to breathe in fumes in a taxi through the Blackwall Tunnel and get horrendous travel sickness. Yep, that sounds horrible. Um, so. What might the service look like? This this is the prompt. This is where I'm glad Martha's in. Martha, I should have almost messaged you and got you, got you to to join for it for a moment. Um, I think this is where if we had a better, more segregated service pattern, more of a tact, so so a, a kind of a, almost like a uh, how to describe tact. Oh, we need to do an episode on on tact in and of itself. Um, recommendations for guests, Martha. Um, always welcome. Where you basically it's like a it's like a heartbeat of flow of traffic, so that you you know all the fringe services feed the bigger services, feed the high speed services, and and outwards again. So you get this kind of flow, so that everything ties into everything else. I think um, that the, the advantage of that is that as you increase the service frequency on the core, you increase the frequency on the fringes. Likewise, though, if you drop the frequency on the core, you consequently drop the frequency of the fringes. So so the way that the service might look on on Christmas Day is that you would have a um, a service that allowed anyone to get from one part of the country to the other, but only one way. So, so you know, whether you're going from the fringes to the core or from the core to the fringes, you can make that journey at some point during the day. Um, so it would be a it would be much less than a Sunday service. It'd be a very skeleton service, but it would be a service allowing people to make that journey. Um, uh, and you know, ideally, certainly in areas of higher population, you maybe have a few opportunities to make that journey a day but in rural areas you'd allow you know one or two trips uh, of the day um so yeah lots of people say interestingly lots of people talk about you know nurses and 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 you know critical jobs other public service roles that the railways should be there for them and aren't and it's not really good enough but this isn't me bashing a lot of people. There seem to be a few people bashing drivers and going on about like minimum service level nonsense and just a load of absolute um, shit. Um, uh, but so it's a key thing is okay. How does it work for operational staff? Well, this would absolutely not be part of normal rostering. You'd have to do it on a volunteer basis because you are asking people to give up a day that that continues to be really important to a lot of people. Um, and lots of other people have it off, you know. This this period is kind of an enforced, you know, I've, I've been enforced out of the office and not allowed to work between Christmas and, and New Year um, by my, my company. So it is an enforced national holiday. And so, you know, this shouldn't be a, 
your roster and you have no choice. It said, no, no, no. People who are, you know, like people who are like, you know what? I'm, I'm up for the massive extra cash that I would earn from working on that day. I have no commitments, or you know what? I, I, I'm willing to, you know, I've, I've not done it for four or five years. I'll, I'll do it this time. You know, I'd, I'd chip in and get involved. There's, there's probably good crack that day. Um, that, that's the way to do it. It is should never be done as a full roster, you know, as a formal rostering. Uh, Paul Prentice, hello, Paul. Lovely to have you with us. Um, we could make a start with Sunday services on Boxing Day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and local buses on both Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Yeah, fully agree with that. You wouldn't do this. Shouldn't do this overnight. But Boxing Day services. And to be honest, what was really interesting is all the drivers are saying no to Christmas Day running. We're all saying yeah, we should really run trains on Boxing Day. But even on Boxing Day, I would say you'd still run this as a as a volunteer, um, kind of you know, not the normal rostering. I think it's. You know, and for me as well, I see that as a, as an opportunity to kind of use that as a back, as a framework for other types of holidays. So to, to have volunteer rostering on other types of you know other kind of you know bank holidays and things, so you don't have it as a formal rostering. So that volunteer rostering might kind of improve welfare. We've got we do have a decent pool of drivers, never big enough, but we do have a decent pool of drivers in the UK. It's not quite as bad as the US. So you know that volunteer basis, I think I think could work. I think that's the right. Um, you know, uh, I think that's the right approach. And then, you know, generally everyone, yeah, as, as Gareth's saying, a general NHS approach, which is everyone takes their turn. But but it's if you've got a decent pool of drivers on the on, on a particular diagram, then um, then it's not that's not hugely onerous. And you know, people can negotiate with each other. And generally, it, it, and it, it should be in good faith discussion on that front. It should not be anything enforcement. There should be no mandate mandating of anything. Um, you know, uh, you know, and 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 the burden might fall differently on different staff who who are you know up for it, up for the cash. Of, you know, they're single; they don't really care, or they they cannot, whatever their life life, you know, where they're at in life means they're quite happy to just work on Christmas Day and, and have a bit of time off other other parts of the you know other parts of the holiday period. Fine, but I really strongly feel like that. I really reiterate that. So, if anyone's watching who is a driver, my view of this is not. I'm not taking the view that some of the other people on Twitter were going on about like it's, it's that it's some 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 offensive thing that drivers don't take this day. No, 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 no. People, for a lot of people are saying it's their only day, guaranteed day off. Well, actually drivers should have that. That's not, that's indicative of, of working conditions that ought to be improved. It's why drivers get paid so much and rightly so. Actually drivers ought to have more days like that that they feel like are, you know, and it'd be quite nice. This is what I mean by this. This this could be a, a framework for allowing that kind of voluntary rostering on more days of the year because it'd be quite nice for more people to have a, a day that they feel is a more guaranteed day off that they can think about. Um, Nicholas Roberts asks an excellent question because it's not just drivers. What about station staff, signalers? In some cases, there may be very few signalers qualified for certain areas. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Um, and I think there's some interesting politics that comes in because you don't want to... Firstly, sig- you know, a, a signaler, you know, when we're talking about one or two people who are capable of signaling a route, a particular route, um, you don't want to somehow lessen the barrier for potential scabs to, to come in and, and signal that route and strike action. You do not want to have unsafe working on those. Situ- you know, I, I remember when there were the big strikes and the, and, and uh, they tried to get non inexperienced signalers or other kind of white collar roles to come in and pick up the signal jobs, and there were lots of mistakes and problems made across the network when that happened. So, ab- absolutely, it's a key thing to consider. This improves as we continue to centralise and automate signalling, so that helps. But I would say on routes where you do have those signalling pressures, actually, it becomes a discussion of well, actually, do we? Do we actually replace do a bus replacement service on that route to to ensure that there isn't the pressure on those on that small pool of signalers? I think this is why you have to look at it on it on each of a um, on you know, a route by route basis. It's like you know on a, on a you know every line of route it, it, it has you can't just have a blanket. You have to think about well, what is the burden on the staff on this route? Likewise with small diagram you know, small pools of drivers with diagrams. If it's like two or three drivers on a diagram, I don't think it's I don't think this I don't know I don't know enough about rostering to know if there's any diagrams that are that shorthanded of of, of that few drivers with route knowledge. But um, you know if there is the case, then again you have to think well actually is that is that right is that fair? Um. There's a lot of people pointing out that um, there are lots of signaling staff who are working over Christmas because of all the engineering trains moving around. Absolutely. So there are plenty of signals who are out there. So, you know, and, and this, the, the, I'll come back to that point because it's 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 a very common refrain that comes up. Um, yes. Um, Jack Elliott saying a good rebuke to a lot of these more technical issues is that lots of places do make it work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, split shifts. NHS do this so you can work seven and a half instead of 13 hours. Yeah, there's, there's lots of solutions, lots of solutions. And this is, you know, uh, uh, station staff, sorry, I didn't address station staff, absolutely the same point, you know. Um, in some instances, is it possible to run trains, uh, you know, with 
you know, is it possible to run the station with a skeleton staff or, or in some cases, you know, reduce staffing um, for that particular day? So you have a speci- special arrangement on that day. So it's not, you know, oh, look, you can. Run. And again, the politics come in. You don't want the DFT to suddenly or, or the you know, psychopaths at the Treasury to suddenly go, oh, you can run the railway with this few staff. And it's like, no, there's a very unique special working conditions. We're not going to have station staff on this station, other than appearing, you know, maybe you know, a skeleton staff to to, to operate it, um, and, and we're going to relax some of the restrictions about ticketing, so people can just get their t- tra- their ticket on the train without any risk of, of being trapped into into higher fares, that sort of stuff. Um, so there's lots of yeah, and absolutely, you, they need all the operational people to then in the background, you know, all the network rail ops staff who then we need to run. But again, reduce service, reduce number of staff. So this means running the rail. The advantage of switching everything off is that you, you all these people don't have to work. But if you switch it on, you need to have these all huge numbers of people out, moms, all these people out and about to to make sure this works. But if you're running a much reduced service, then you can reduce those staff. And and, and again, you know, if you have a sufficient pool of those staff, as we should running a proper railway I don't, I don't know why I keep hitting my chin off the mic um, as, as we should then there should be enough staff that it doesn't that know that, that, that a burden does not fall on anyone um, uh, yes James Derrick pointing out full coverage of all departments of stuff still goes wrong absolutely yes um, uh, Craig Ferguson saying if you reduce station staff then you potentially uh, make that station less accessible which wouldn't be accessible of course it wouldn't but that's why you yeah I, I'm not talking about like each circumstance needs to be assessed on that basis you know what is the minimum um service provision here to ensure that the station is completely accessible but that we you know can can uh, not have an undue burden it might well be that you know because not everyone works at a state not every, certainly for most stations it's not that all the sta- staff who work at that station are working at that station at any given moment you know you, you have lots of shifts and different people working at different times so it might well be that you, in some stations where there is a particular accessibility challenge and you need a, a decent number of staff there that's fine and it doesn't cause any problems with 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 roster you know volunteer rostering it all works it can work it's not a problem um so that's my thought that's that's why you know and that's why i think that that we you know and in terms of the reasons why you know why we should be running that service i think we've, you know, we've got lots of people who want to travel and who can't and i don't think it is um it's really good enough that we completely close the railway remember we want the railway to feel so part of me feels that there is a political reason why this doesn't happen, and it's because people that the government has an incentive to make people feel like the railway is a is a private you know company that just closes up and 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 and, and sends everyone home on on holidays rather than it being a public service is open all year round. So there's almost like a political and ideological incentive to make it people feel less attached to the railway as a public service. Whereas if the railway is running on Christmas Day, running on Boxing Day running on these holiday days when people still need to travel as i've said um it would feel more like a public service you'd get that feeling of oh this is an integral part of of society and how everything works and actually that's really important also as we said millions of people travel and i would rather they were traveling by train given we have you know this whole climate situation going on uh, i'm euphemistically putting snow pictures up everywhere but uh, yeah sadly doesn't nothing looks quite like that anymore um, uh, Martha's very, very, very true. A uh, very good point, Martha. Um, of course, um, one option to reduce staffing is to just not charge fares on Christmas Day. That would be quite a good idea, actually. Um, anyway, right. So let's let's move on to the next subject, which is uh, should we concentrate all of our major works on the Christmas blockade? N- no, we, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> we shouldn't should not do that. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this on Rail Natters before, and I've talked about it on. Um, uh, lots of situations, but yeah, this comes back to the point that's being made about signalers earlier. But it's, you know, why should people expect to, uh, expect to to work on Christmas Day? Why should people be expected to work on Christmas Day? In fact, you know what? Let me fix that. I should actually read. Why should people be expected to work on Christmas Day? Um, well, uh, because lots are on a public service. You you have to have the NHS has to still exist. People get sick. In fact, lots of people get ill. Um, people injure themselves we do lots of engineering works because that's the point that i'm about to make which is um there is so much going on on the railway this at this moment including on christmas day so so much um just just an enormous amount of work you know stuff happening everywhere um twenty-five thousand people a thousand machines in one week and the rest of the year we're using maybe two or three hundred of those machines uh, uh, you know, at any given moment, and obviously a lot fewer of those people. A lot of these, unlike 
the staff who are not working on Christmas Day, um, this 25,000 people, uh, they are, a lot of those are contingent workers who do not have, who are either not unionized or have very weak protections. Um, they will be getting paid reasonably well. But again, the, some of the lower end s- staff, uh, I mean, they're all, it's all in network rail agreed rates for the, for the big uh, blockades. Um, they're not bad. They're not fantastic though. Um, and again, I re-emphasize contingent workers, those who are, um, those who are not as well protected and well unionized as as signalers and drivers. So, uh, but signalers are working. Plenty of drivers are working. Those are trains don't drive themselves. The engineering trains, the tampers, um, those machine operators, the the Kirovs, those are all moving around with drivers, with signalers, making sure they can move around. And it's all happening in one chaotic extreme. Um, and with a huge amount of pressure and it only happens once a year and we have limited capacity to deliver stuff in that Christmas and invariably when things get delayed then you have to wait another whole year before you can do the engineering work and that delays and that delays and delays and delays this is an incredibly stupid way to, or in fact it's not it's an incredibly clever way to ensure that as little heavy engineering happens as possible and that we slow down upgrades to the railway to a crawl we wonder why stuff takes so long to deliver. It's because we rely on blockades once. Well, okay, we have the occasion we get longer blockades in, in some bank holidays and, and Easter. Some work happens at Easter, but it's not the same peak. You know, it's about half the, the scale of work generally on, on Easter weekend compared to, to this the, the Christmas blockade. This is hopeless. It's awful for the staff working because it's a horrible surge. It's you know you, you have this uncertainty other than at Christmas. All the machine, you know, this huge fleet of machines that has to exist that doesn't get used for most of the year. It's just hugely, deeply inefficient. It's not a good way to, to as exactly as Martha says, it does not help recruit and retain engineering staff workers. Um, what we should, uh, people then seem to think on Twitter are saying, ah, but you know, you have to rely on possessions. No, 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 no. step back, think differently. Just as with high output being a you know as a as a system that delivered track renewals at scale, in Europe you close a railway line, you run that system for a few weeks until the railway line is completely renewed. You then you then the system goes away. In the UK or rather in GB, we would set that system up. It would arrive. We'd set it up. I've been to these multiples of these shifts. It would run for an hour, maybe an hour and a half. You'd spend you know multiple hours, three four hours setting it up three hours clearing it away and then you'd run it for an hour and that was it hopeless that's so inefficient just imagine that for all the other engineering work you know you're squeezing this into into short shifts no no no. we just need to um employ more drivers so that we can train more drivers to have uh, better route knowledge so we can run more diversion routes um, and we need to do more long blockades throughout the whole year spread those blockades around um, and we should not do them at public holidays. The other reason we shouldn't do them at public holidays, um, well, let's just shove this picture up again, just kind of run ourselves up on. The other reason we should not do them at public holidays is because public holidays is when you have all your leisure travellers, all your infrequent travellers who are not used to the railways. If, you, if they turn, and I've said this before on Rail Natter, I know, I, I, I don't, on Rail Natter Towers, we try to avoid hitting the host with the brick that makes you forget everything you've said at the end of the episode. Um, uh, unlike other episodes, uh, other other of our friendly neighbourhood podcasts, um, I know that I have said this before on multiple episodes. But for uh, you know the the, we, we it's absolutely key uh, that we uh, you know the, the amount of work that we deliver. We want to maximise the amount of work that we're delivering. Um, uh, yes, I did. Um, funnily enough, I don't get the brick hit at the end of the episode, but I did hit myself with the brick uh, in the middle of the episode there. Um, so uh, that, that, there we are. Everyone's going to have to cope with me forgetting the point I was going to make. That's fine. I think you probably all knew where I was going with it anyway. Um, yeah, blockades all year round. Uh, oh, no, no. The point I've made. Sorry. <laughs> Infrequent travellers, if they turn up and they and they, their railway is disrupted, they're never coming back. Whereas commuters, those who travel regularly... Um, so kind of away from public holidays, they travel on the railway regularly so you can communicate more easily with them. You can tell them what's happening. They c- it's easier for them to make different plans um, uh, because they've had that communication. Uh, they understand the benefits. They understand why the work is happening. They understand the benefits and they will come back. Infrequent travellers do not. Frequent travellers will. So the ones we should be interrupting are frequent travellers. Now, it is more complicated than that freight operations particularly you know freight trains and stuff it's more difficult to disrupt them but we can work you can work around freight trains either by diverting them or 
by allowing them to pass through the site. You know, the site that, that has the, that sort of situation has has been done before, or but also forward planning and communicating with uh, these operators allows you to kind of understand what they need and then facilitate their needs. Another thing that would make this a lot easier is having just one operator, British Rail, because you don't have to negotiate between six or seven different operators who all have their own different needs and upsets and can get particularly peeved when, when their trains are being disrupted and they're all competing over maximising how much schedule for payment they get. Uh, no, no, get rid of that and um, have only one operator and it gets a lot more straightforward. Oh, and what, what are the thoughts in the chat? Let me go big face and see what, what's the general, what are the general thoughts in the chat? We've kind of gone through a lot of this. Uh, Martha Lawrence saying, also if blockades are planned well in advance, commuters can just take their annual leave that week. Yes, indeed. They can just go on the holiday that week. Yes, funny that. Uh, more electrification so they can work as a diversion routes, says Michael C. Absolutely. And Gas says, I'm surprised um, that I've gone this long without uttering the magic words rolling program. Well, indeed. Yeah. It's not a bad port, you know. Uh, it's reasonably a bit peppery. It's it's you know, it's, it's pretty run of the mill stuff, but it's it's all right. It's their number one special reserve. I don't know whether that's a particularly fancy one, but it's 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 tasty. It is it, despite the name. It is Portuguese. It's it's it is it is official stuff. Mm. Uh, yes. So uh, lots of good discussion. Anyway, yeah, just chuck over room to at me if you've got thoughts. Has there been much noise on what Labour plan to do re regarding train operating companies? Uh, not a huge amount. Uh, I think blockades should be weekly and personalised. The type of traffic in that area, absolutely. Again, all this stuff is not. It's not one rule. One one size fits all. And in some cases, you might still need Christmas works. You know that that might be the most optimum time for a particular bit of railway. Um, in terms of minimising disruption, fine. But um, we need to be much more comfortable in having in, in spreading our engineering work around the whole year because we'll get more done. We'll upgrade our railway more quickly. The idea that we just do everything once a year, that we kind of do all this stuff, it's just so, it's just baffling. It doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense. Uh, Richard Fraser was asking if I'm ready for gout. I'd, I've drunk so little this last, well, multiple years, but certainly the last year. I, the amount of alcohol I've consumed is enormously small. Um, uh, so I'm not too worried about the, the old gout. Although it's amazing, what, what, funny story, it's amazing how, it's amazing how many railway engineers, on my side, like more office-based railway engineers, um, do have gout. It's, it's, it's quite, I do know quite a few engineers with gout. It's a thing. Uh, yeah, gout is a thing. I just is the Henry VIII disease. But uh, no, no, no. Lots of lots of lots of railway engineers today have gout. Um, the amount I've eaten this Christmas, you know, maybe. But uh, no, I, I think probably I'm reasonably healthy, relatively. Um, anyway, uh, so. Right, enough of this. Uh, enough of this waffling. Right, let's press this button because. Oh no, I don't want to press this button yet. I want to get rid of my face. Get rid of my stupid face, uh, or at least hide it in the corner. So those are the two questions. Should we run a better rail service over the holiday season, and should we concentrate all of our major works on the Christmas blockade? And you can kind of see how these interrelate because obviously, if you're not, if you are running services on, over Christmas, then you can't do the big blockade. You, you have to start thinking differently. Um, so that there is an interrelationship between these two, but these are the two points I think that, that map on. I've got my view, but because the, you know, I, I don't, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on. This is something that I feel strongly about, but it's not. But there's clearly mixed feelings out there, and, and I suppose um, the debate continues. I, I, I don't have a, a vigorous, strong. Yet Sam is saying, "Did anyone ask if blockades can avoid weekends?" Yeah, I'm. I'm of the view that the best thing we can do, and you know, sometimes you might straddle multiple week, weeks and therefore weekends. But I'm of the view that. Um, oh, by the way, there's going to be an episode coming up where there's some date. So Murphy's did some. One of the contractors did some work uh, on. Um, uh, on the West Coast mainline and they rather than doing the usual rules of the route possessions or, or even short line blocks on weekends they did um, longer periods of working uh, over multiple weeks and the there are multiple things that they saved um, but the main thing they, they ended up measuring was carbon purely from the fuel of the machines not even carbon from people traveling to site but just from the fuel of the machines by not driving them to and from site and it, it represented a 90% saving on carbon to do the, the renewals work versus traditional methods of rules of the route, um, kind of nighttime possessions during the week. Um, really quite quite impressive um, numbers. I will do an episode on that. I might even get, um, uh, get Tony on to talk about it because it was, it was really quite impressive stuff. It was, it, was, it was fantastic. So Sam, 
Uh, by the way, Sam, lovely to see you. Sam Easterby Smith, nice to see you. Um, uh, lots of lovely familiar faces in the in, in the chat today. It's lovely to have you along. 106 people watching. It's bloody Christmas, and you're all here enjoying a tipple. Hopefully, you've all, uh, important question: Who? Uh, this is this is what I want to know in the chat now. B -b -b while we come to the end, is uh, what are people drinking, and how many mince pies have you eaten during the episode? That's that's what that's the important question I want to know. Um, so right, let's um, hop forward. Let's 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 okay, let's vote again. So. Um, uh, let's just do a quick. Let's do this. So this is the this is the before vote. Uh, I'm going to end that poll. Uh, there we go. That's a, a, a ding a dingity ding. Because what I'm, in fact, I'm going to go big face momentarily. Hello everyone. Because I'm just going to drop this in. So let me just uh, drop this in here. Should we run some trains on Christmas Day? This is the before one. So that's fine. Let's just do this. I'm, I'm literally creating and editing slides on the on the hoof. This is this is this is what you know me for. Um, there we go. Let's go. This is before. Uh, let's now do, ask another poll, which is, uh, let's go. That's another poll. Start a poll. Um, should we run some trains on Xmas Day? Question mark. Start a poll, uh, and we'll see where that ends up um, at the end of the episode. So let's run that one. Uh, let's run that. Uh, fine. Good. Uh, just, oh dear me! All right, let's get rid of my face. Um, so, actually, let's, let's get rid of my face entirely because while that happens, and you send me what people are drinking and 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 consuming, uh, some people are unhappy about the concept of mince pies. Uh, Haley is uh, drinking breakfast tea. Very nice. That sounds quite nice, actually. Rum and pineapple. Um, very very nice. Oh crikey! Uh, shortest rail natter ever. Turns out the answer is yes. Ah, it's not. That's not. That's they've been shorter rail natters. Um. What else we got? Uh, Peroni Zero, one mince pie and a bit of Christmas put. Oh, I didn't have Christmas put this year. Yeah, sad. My grandparents, my, my grandmother you know, used to send me one, but uh, yeah, no booze or mince pies, just a Coke and some fruit pastels. Oh, don't combine those. They, they, you'll, your stomach will explode. Um, uh, there we are. Hamish Harvey is happy. Hello, Hamish. Uh, happy with weekday blockades, but if they're not net required, then uh, long distance travel could get very difficult from here in Cardiff. Can't get many places of interest on a single line. Yeah, there's there's, there's lots of things to think about and how the system all fits together. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Copperberg mixed fruit and three mince pies. Three mince pies. That's a good effort. That's a good effort, Ethan. Four six. Uh, Four four one, uh, master trams don't drink uh, alcohol, so I'm having uh, water. Absolutely fair enough. Um, I was tempted. To, I'm, I'm actually kind of hovering on the edge of a fever at the moment, so I was tempted to have uh, honey and lemon tea, but uh, I thought poor. Anyway, um, uh, and between all members of family, all the mince pies were consumed by yesterday. Uh, yeah, decimated. Uh, Gareth is on the same as this is this is this is this has been alcohol uh, <laughs> or, or drinks and mince pies corner. Uh, Bombay mix uh, from Kamaroff and Gareth is drinking the same as last time. Uh, a New Zealand sov, just the one mince pie, but a slice of soda bread made by my own fair hands. Lovely. That's that's the good content. That's the wholesome content you want to hear. Talking of which, um, no bridge enthusiast is re uh, drinking a, a Beautiful Brewery beers, very rare inspired, very nice. Uh, Caffeine free Coke Zero, hundred grams of Hotel Chocolat, very nice. Oh, there's a couple of Florentines that maybe I might have this evening. That'd be nice. Anyway. It's Christmas. We're allowed to think pleasant. We're all here collectively enjoying each other's company. Um, and uh, yes, anyway, I waffle on. Thanks to everyone listening. Um, this, this will be weird after the fact, won't it? This is a very collegiate and, and in fact, it kind of feels like we're all at the pub for a live episode again. There will be live episodes next year, by the way, folks. 98% um, likelihood, 95% likelihood. It's obviously very family related. It depends how the wee one uh, copes, but it, it's, you know... Uh, once, once, once the wee ones uh, happier and more independent, then I'd be more comfortable um, doing that. It might well be there's going to be Cardiff. It might well be back in York again. Um, but there will be a, a live a live episode at some point next year. I'm I'm, I'm very confident and, and excited to do one because it was it was good fun. Um, the usual plugs, uh, patreoncom Dennis to to support the show. Uh, and ensure this sort of stuff can continue happening in some form or other. Uh, Gareth has to get slash merch for um, uh, the, the merchandise. Uh, PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis for loose change and abuse. And the, the discussions going on. Um, Robin Weston having a big bowl of twiglets um, and some dips, by the way. Very nice. Some uh, alcohol-free Erdinger. It's not bad, actually, that one. Um, it's uh, It tastes... I mean, I find Erdinger weird, and it tastes about as weird as Erdinger. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's fine. Nice one, Emir. Um 
Yeah, here they're trying to be on a Bordeaux and some uh, mini chocolate muffins. Oh, very nice. Um, anyway, Gareth Dennis, good grief. Can't say my own website. Gareth Dennis, slash Discord for the Discord server where this chat continues. And you can, there is a pub in the Discord server where you can continue this discussion, share discussions of your tipples. Um, ah, very nice. Right, so an update on the YouTube. We didn't make, uh, or yet, Unless there's a surge, we've not quite made our target. We've reached 9,385 followers, which is not bad. Only 615 to go to reach the big 10,000. I'm very pleased with that. We certainly had a big surge after I put this slide on the thing. So the, 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 the advertising seems to work. Um, uh, so uh, that's nice. Next week, well, next week is, uh, it's not a live one, uh, episode 199, Hyperloop 1 is gone. But when will this nonsense die? Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Hyperloop. We're going to talk about all the exist, still existing Hyperloop uh, fraudster scam companies that exist still, uh, uh, parody of Minecraft, um, allegedly, etc. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. We get to talk about Hyperloop. Uh, it's going to be a Hyperloop episode. We're going to start the year on a Hyperloop episode. That'll be nice, won't it? Um, right. So I'm going to I'm going to end this poll, uh, and we're going to uh, oh. There uh, we go. Right, let's let's have a look. I, I actually did that. Did should have screenshotted it differently last time, and it's fine. I'm going to do this, and then there we are. Ding, ding, ding. You can hear the dings. Uh, I'm going to go down here, uh, paste this in here. Going to go uh, after. There we are, after, uh, and that looks fine to me. Good, because uh, you'd be glad to know in true professional style. And um, the before and after polls here. Um. There's the before. So we had uh, before we had seventy two percent of people reckon we should run some trains on Christmas Day, um, and the after poll, which I didn't screenshot it this way, which means it looks different. But this is the after poll. Uh, it was eighty two percent. So there's been some some improvement on the number of people. Uh, fewer people voted this time, this the second time around, admittedly. So it's not a perfect it's not a perfect system. But anyway, it's fine. Um, Oh, it's the first live episode that uh, Simon uh, C858 is called. Oh, pleasure to have you along. Uh, it's this sort of thing. It, this, this, this counts as a podcast, believe it or not. It's quite quite remarkable. Anyway, uh, good to have you all along. It only really remains to say, um, to end with this, because there's no there's no class 1998 train, not yet anyway. Um, it only remains to, to for me to give you this picture from, I think, the early 1900s. I'm going to go with 1909 uh, off the top of my head um, uh, of Euston Station and the, the fact that the whole thing was paved on the throat, which is really bizarre. I did not realise this. Very strange choices of P-Way and a nightmare to maintain. Um, but uh, I suppose that's fine when Labour Chief... Also some fun signals. These fun signals with the discs around them and all. It's a, there's, a, there's a lot going on here, basically. Um, Euston Station at this point was an absolute hell... Just, just absolute hell chaos. There just a lot of chaos everywhere. Anyway... Uh, this, this is the picture we're going to end 2023 on because this is the last episode of 2023. Why on earth was it paved, Jack? Yeah, exactly. I do not know. Um, everyone, let's go big face briefly. It's it's been an absolute pleasure to have you along. This this is the genuine soppy bit where I go. It's been a it's been an interesting year. All sorts of bad things happening, but also lots of very beautiful and happy things happening, uh, for me and hopefully for for all of you as well in in some way or other. And a lot of you uh, with me here in the in the chat um have uh, have have accompanied uh, me on the on this on this journey this is when the, the four years of rail about 2020 it's gonna be four years of rail matter next year that's baffling four years nearly 200 episodes Whew. and i don't know where, where does it go from here uh well probably about similar because you know i have a day job still and i'm not doing this full time and, and the whole point the thing that i think makes me good at doing this or good interesting at doing this uh, is that i do have the day job in the rail industry and i'm wired into it in in multiple different ways so I, that ain't changing and, and it'll continue to be this shonky um but but it's interesting hopefully we have good chats and we talk about interesting things and um uh there'll be some fun episodes next year i'm sure uh we need to get certain uh railway celebrities in who've said hello can i be on the podcast so we need to get that sorted uh, i know we've got a good episode coming up in february that i'm looking forward to the, a friend of mine coming on um yeah there's some good stuff coming up and and yeah lots of extra goodies if you join the patreon you get to chat and, and, and discuss things and uh you get various various little bonuses and goodies and and so on we need the currency episode with gareth absolutely the railway currency episode yes two gareths in one episode can we can can society cope i don't know 
Um, anyway, right, enough of me waffling. I, 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 I just, you're all lovely. Um, I'm hoping that the next week should be fun and we'll have lots of angry people joining from the Elon Muskville. That uh, should be good fun. I'm looking forward to that. Yes, another live episode next week. Uh, anyway, right, enough of me waffling. You've all been lovely. It's 21.04 in the UK. Um, I'm going to finish the drink and sipping this um, as I record something for Dave Frankel. David is in the chat. Hello, David. Um, I will... Um, <laughs> I will see you all. I'll see you all in 2024. Have a very uh, happy, safe, warm, uh, friend and family ridden. I hope, and if not friend and family ridden, then at least comfortable, warm and safe um, New Year. New Year's the best holiday. The best, the best evening. New Year's Eve is the best day of the year. Um, everyone, that's that's the special time for me. That's the big one. Change the changing of the year. The, the bell, the bell tolls, and we all watch Coot Nanny with her hand, her head in her hands. Anyway, right. Everyone. Cheerio! Cheerio!